Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at a time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by The Loop, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. Sounds like it'll be a great addition to the local podcast scene, and you can find The Loop on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can hear an extended trailer for The Loop at the end of this episode of The Read-Along, and you can find The Loop right now online at cbc.ca slash Edmonton. So, a couple disclaimers, as usual, off the top of this episode. Opening disclaimers! We're recording at a slight disadvantage because Anita is holding a fresh baby who is kind of guest starring on this episode. Someone refused to go to sleep, so we're having some baby snugs yeah. while we record. Uh, but that means that we can't get as close to the microphones as we normally do. So, if there's uh, some weird sound quality change in this episode, uh, apologies, we will get that hopefully resolved for next time by having a baby who's sleeping. I'm calling it mommy distance. Indeed, mommy distance. She's working on a pacifier, and uh, she is not asleep. Yeah, so. Um, another issue that may have come up is um, we had some technical difficulties with our feed in the last week. So uh, a couple of the last episodes may have been re-uploaded out of order. If you are listening to this after the fact... But and you, you would be. <laughs> but you uh, ended up listening to the, the last couple episodes of The Municipalists out of order uh, because you were getting to them later. Uh, our apologies for that. Uh, we'll try to get that resolved at some point. The best explanation we can offer right now is, uh. Yeah. At any rate, that uh, is a good segue into our current novel. We just finished up chapter one of our book, of our thriller that was chosen by Anita. Uh, in which uh, we get introduced to Beth, most of her family, her former best friends, and find out that she's uh, the, she's got some issues. The terrifying, terrifyingly young children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is all brought up when she sees some terrifyingly young children. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so onward into chapter two. Yes. Uh, chapter two of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. Okay, so Beth has gone into shock. Yeah, more or less. That's basically what it is. She barely remembers driving home with Ben after the football game and is completely preoccupied with what she saw at Flora's house that day. Yeah, this is this is like functioning catatonic. Is that a thing? Kind of, yeah. Uh, ben, of course, hasn't really noticed that anything's up because he's preoccupied as he is. But Beth, as she arrives at the house, is actually kind of hung up on the fact that while she saw a young Thomas and Emily, she did not see Georgina. Hey. Uh, she did not get out of the car, and she's in the process of struggling with two kind of diametrically opposed ideas of what that must mean for Georgina, because surely 12-year-old Georgina should have gotten out of the car with the kids, but if Georgina's still a baby, she would have needed help getting out of the car, so she was left in the car, so Georgina is not there, question mark? That's possible. Which leaves some question as to what's up with that. Mm -hmm. Like, we're working on 
very little information. And the information that we do have is contradicting reality. So, yeah. So I can understand why Beth would be a little bit screwed up about that. Yeah, the rest of her household kind of continues through the, the first part of the day as normal. <laughs> Quote, unquote, normal. Yeah, Xana appears out of her room to chastise Ben for ghosting his thing, who's now bothering her. And he defends himself by explaining that he is not ghosting her. He is just ignoring her texts. Oh, well, they don't call it ghosting, though. It's blanking? Sure. <laughs> like the UK version of ghosting? It, basically all the same thing. Yeah. Um, and then Zan unfortunately picks today of all days to actually notice that something's up with Beth, who clearly is like pale and has a thousand okay. yard stare. So either she's finally chosen the one day or something is so very wrong with Beth that it is terribly obvious. Yeah, uh, my guess is that it's terribly obvious. Zan calls over Dominic to check up on her. Also, we find out that Xana is short for Susanna. Yeah. And we get confirmation she is indeed older than Ben, as yes. I had surmised. So, uh, my bad. So, Beth briefly considers maybe pretending that everything is fine and just trying to forget everything. <laughs> and then she fails at that utterly. Yeah, she can't help but talk. Uh, so, she asks the kids to go get scarce for a little bit so she can talk to Dominic. So, she starts by explaining her side quest during the football game to check out the Braid's house. And... Uh, Dominic, and also Zan, who's been eavesdropping this whole time, tell her that the Braids actually apparently live in Florida, according to a LinkedIn request that Dom got some time ago from Lewis, and uh, that he works for some sort of Florida company as well. The possibility that Lewis is living in Florida and Flora is maybe living in England is floated, but Beth is absolutely certain that they've moved back to the same house they moved into 12 years ago, no less. Because of what she saw today. Okay. Beth is also a little put out that Dom never told her Lewis and Flora had moved to Florida. Well, a LinkedIn request isn't necessarily a confirmation of a move. Well, not just it? not just that. Dominic, just in regards to having been given that LinkedIn request and having found out that information, is like, we haven't seen them in years. I didn't yeah, think why, twice about it and I didn't bring it matter? up. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So... Beth finally kind of blurts out the situation. Thomas and Emily do not appear to have aged. And Dom, to his credit, does not dismiss her comments out of hand and asks her to take it back to the beginning and explain everything to him. Mm -hmm. Well, because she's clearly shaken about it, mm -hmm. right? So no matter what she saw, there's something wrong. Yes. And I think that really speaks a lot about him and their relationship. In that whatever it is, it's shaken her. He cares about her. So whatever it is, it needs to be taken seriously. Yeah. And I think that's nice. Yeah. So we kind of smash cut to later after Beth has given her entire explanation. Ben has gone out for the night to hang out with some friends. So over dinner, Xana, amateur sleuth, <laughs> uh, is ready to help Beth and Dom kind of run down some possibilities. And, and these are the possibilities that they run down. Number one, she was delirious. And mistook what she saw, which Beth is sure she wasn't, but she's willing to suggest for at least completion's sake on the list. Uh, number two, Thomas and Emily, and maybe Georgina, are all dead, and these are indeed replacement goldfish. And this is something that Beth also contemplated earlier in this chapter. Yeah, I still argue that seems a little dark. Yeah, Beth is also fairly certain that she saw Thomas and Emily as she remembered them as kids, not 
people who looked kind of like them. She's also fairly certain that Flora wouldn't name two replacement kids after the original kids. Right, because that's really dark. Because that's really dark. And she is 100% certain that her friend would never do that. But Dom also points this out. But my reaction to that is people change in 12 years and serious trauma could change how they act. Yeah. Like the loss of two children. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, number three, supernatural explanation, which Dom and Beth just immediately, sh nope, <laughs> just nope right out of. So, sorry, Anita, probably no haunted house. Well, I, I didn't know what we were getting into. I was just positing an idea. Uh, number four, genetic condition that prevents aging. Uh, Beth cuts off Zan saying this is really dumb suggestion, but Dom kind of backs her up on this. Well, in that it's. Uh, it's, it's more plausible than a supernatural yeah, explanation. Plausible, if not likely. But he also admits that it might explain why the braids suddenly dumped them as friends if they were ashamed of their kid's condition and wanted to hide it. Yeah. It would explain why they stopped seeing people. Well, and this is where things kind of take a left turn. Yeah. Dom also confirms around this time that both Lewis and Flora were working as scientists, but from the way he explains that they were likely computer scientists working in IT, not... Geneticists? Crazy Frankenstein <laughs> geneticists, yeah. yeah. Um, Zan wonders, however, if they could have discovered some de-aging super science, but uh, she and Dom both agree that they probably wouldn't freeze their kids at such a young age if they could freeze their kids. And also, Lewis is the kind of person who would absolutely be selling immortality if he had discovered it. Right? Yeah. Ooh, unless it was a weird lab accident. Mm. Uh. Beth is not comforted by any of this. She recognizes that what she saw, there was a wrongness to it. Clearly, Flora was not okay and was clearly upset by what was going on. So there's something more going on here. And Zan finally suggests a fifth option, kind of as we wrap up the chapter. And that is that Flora and Lewis just had two more kids. It's been 12 years. Yeah. It's possible that they just had another boy and another girl, and they bear a strong resemblance to Thomas and Emily. As siblings would. And Beth just mistook what she called them, that they had names similar to Thomas and Emily. And she, with the expectation of seeing Thomas and Emily. Heard Thomas and Emily. Heard Thomas and Emily. And it would make sense why they were dressed the same as well, because hand-me-downs, right? But Beth is positive this isn't the case that it oh, no. that it is a hundred percent it was thomas beth and Emily. Is, beth is very adamant about what it is she saw uh, going back to the brainstorming session that they had mm -hmm. i liked it i like i like that that's what they did i thought it was a nice uh char family character setup sure like this is the dynamic that her family has they're taking her seriously right it's not being dismissed they're talking about it mm-hmm which I think is a good thing, even if Beth is being a little obstinate about it. Yeah. The fact that it's happening, I think, really says something good about the rest of her family. I don't... The kind of people they are. I don't think that this is going to be the case, but I would kind of like for that brainstorming session to have been a setup for investigation into this and for Beth to spend the next several chapters looking into each of those possible explanations <laughs> to see if that might be what it was. I think that would be interesting. Maybe. Up to and including, finally, just kind of like, all right, is it ghosts? Like, <laughs> Well, that might still happen. Just, just grudgingly the last thing she checks. I think that would be neat. I don't expect that that's what's going to happen, but I think that would have been interesting if it was Chekhov's list mm -hmm. of red herrings. I also think Beth's reaction is very telling about her character. 
even just brainstorming like ridiculous ideas because that's what a brainstorm is. Right? Yeah. Anything and everything. There are no bad ideas in brainstorming. Exactly. And even that makes her uncomfortable. And as more of the backstory starts to become relevant to this brainstorming session, mm-hmm. it it makes her super uncomfortable. Zen also asks why the braids dumped them as friends. And Dom is like, honestly, I don't know. Left turn. Yeah. And then when Beth doesn't say anything, he asks if, what, did the braids dump us or did we dump the braids? And Beth refuses to answer. Except to admit that Dom doesn't know why they aren't friends with the braids anymore. And uh, avoids thinking about it and the conversation as she walks out of the room. Oh, and she makes a complete and utter drama queen exit. The more Beth avoids revealing why the friendship with Flora came undone, I'm going to admit, the more I'm convinced it's Beth's fault. Oh, it's possible. That it is 100% that she is she is burying it because of guilt. And she doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, yeah. Or, uh, it's, well... No, that would still be Beth's fault. Yeah, we're we're what two I, chapters in, and I know. she's... What yeah. I'm thinking is, whatever, whatever it is that Flora did to Beth could have possibly happened first. Beth had a crazy overreaction to it, or took it out of context, or there was some imagined slight that was unintended, and then things crumbled, and Beth refuses to admit that she's at fault for it. Yeah, that's. But it would still be Beth's fault, though. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. It would still be Beth's fault, even if uh, Flora started it in Beth's mind, mm-hmm. right? Um, something else I noticed last chapter, but is coming into a bit of sharper relief in this chapter. Even Beth is really fixated on how her kids are growing up and how she's kind of uncomfortable with that. That's not as weird as you think, though. No, but she spends a lot of time thinking about how much older. Ben and Zan are getting in the last chapter and how they're teenagers now. She spends a little bit of time in this chapter thinking about how like weird it is that Ben's voice has dropped and thinking about how, how much more Snoopy Zana is. Zana talks about her relationship and how they want to name, if they have kids, they want to name their first kid True Love, which Dom is just like, he rolls his eyes so loud you can hear it on the page. <laughs> and it's but it's it's very clear that she's someone who's starting to lament losing her little kids. And at the same time, this is contrasted with the fact that she sees Flora and her kids are stuck in limbo as little kids. And I'm wondering if that's a thing. Maybe. Like, am I picking up on something that is like a through line here? Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting that the problem isn't with Flora, that it's with Beth? It might be. That they are accelerated as opposed to Flora being decelerated? You know what I mean? No. It's not that Flora's kids haven't aged. It's that Beth and her kids have aged extra? No, I don't believe that's the case at all because 12 years have actually passed. Are we sure? Oh. Head fake. Maybe we're not sure. Maybe time has gone faster for Beth and Dom. We're only two chapters in. I don't know anything yeah. that's going on yet. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe the mystery is not that uh, Emily and Thomas haven't grown up. It's that 12 years have passed for Beth and her family, mm-hmm. when perhaps not that long has happened for the rest. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not buying into well, that, no, that like, at that, all. That can't make sense because Ben has a relationship outside of the family, and so does Zan. Yeah. And he plays football like with I his said. friends. Like, like I said, I'm not buying into it at all. 
Yeah, that no, no, no. That is, it <laughs> no, was this, an interesting. This doesn't add up at it all. It was an interesting idea, but it just doesn't add up at all. No, no, that can't be the at case. At least not yet. Yeah, but uh, we will. We will have to wait and see. Oh yes. Um, I also think it's interesting and kind of telling of Beth's personality, maybe a little. That Beth is unwilling to believe that the children she saw with Flora aren't Thomas and Emily. Aren't aren't the Thomas and the Emily who should be teenagers, but are still somehow like five and three. Yes, but. But is also completely unwilling to accept any of the suggested explanations for why this might be. Right. I think that's why her, I think that's why her brain is broken because she knows what she saw. She's adamant about what she saw, but what she saw is impossible. Yeah. And so her brain is fighting itself because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. She's she's unwilling to accept that she didn't see them, but she's unwilling to accept any possibility for why they might be that way. Yes. And we've spent an entire chapter. <laughs> With her poo-pooing every possible explanation. Yes, basically. Yeah, which is kind of frustrating. It's a frustrating disconnect to follow. A little bit. Yeah. It's not making Beth super likable two chapters into this novel. Fair but... enough, but uh, this chapter also wasn't exactly 50 pages long, right? It was fairly short. It was a quick read. So it's not like they're dwelling forever on the fact that Beth, you know, can't let this go or or is uh, unwilling to change her mind or accept any other explanation. <laughs> that being said, she's being real dodgy again. Yeah. And it, uh, you, you mentioned something earlier before we, before we started podcasting about this chapter, uh, how it kind of makes her unlikable. Yeah, I just even mentioned that a moment ago. Yeah. She's not super likable two chapters in. Not really. Especially the the drama queen turn kind of turned me off as well. Well, let's let's take a look at her day. She lies to her husband about wanting to drive her son to the football game so that she can stalk and spy on <laughs> someone who she had a falling out with 12 years ago but still is clearly not over. Oh, clearly. Then sees something that should be impossible, but she is insistent is a thing that she saw. And then rather than try to just like let it go and be like, nope, I don't want anything to do with this. She unloads on her husband and her daughter about what she saw, spends the rest of the day having them try to come up with explanations that she does not accept. And she snaps at them a couple times. And then, as you say, has her drama queen exit, refusing to explain why they had the falling out in the first place to her husband. Yeah. And then so, walks out of the room with no explanation. And I don't know how our next chapter is going to go. Yeah. It might be her refusing to talk about things, so, which isn't going to help anything. No. So uh, currently, she has uh, she has not done anything that's particularly <laughs> endearing in this book. Now, granted, we're only two chapters in. She has the whole rest of the book to make us like her. Yeah. Also, she clearly did not stop at the supermarket to pick up a dinner as she had suggested she was going to because they ended up with Italian takeout for supper. Oh, yeah. So that clearly slipped her mind after she had her shock. Just saying. As you say, we're only two chapters in. And perhaps it is harsh to judge Beth on just two chapters. Even if they are literally our first impression of her and she is our protagonist. She has time to turn it around, is what I'm saying. So they've been dancing around what happened since the very beginning now. And I'm really curious about when we're actually going to find out what happened. Hopefully sooner than later. I'm I'm starting to think it might take a while. Uh, I hope it doesn't take too, too long because they keep dangling it. 
like underscoring it. And there's one thing to plant seeds for a mystery, and there's another thing to keep baiting you. Yeah. And this feels baity at the moment. Yeah. In a way that's not enticing and more frustrating, if that makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah. But we can add two more things to our uh, backstory facts that Dom had no idea there was actually a breakup. We we kind of knew that last chapter as well. Well, it's been confirmed then, yeah. if, you, if you prefer. And for sure there was a breakup. Oh, yeah. This wasn't a, oh, they've drifted apart. Yeah, okay. We can take them off the maybe list and put them on the yes list. Definitely on the yes list, yes. Well, it was uh, indeed uh, a shorter chapter, and uh, that means that uh, we're going to kind of wrap it up here on a, on a somewhat shorter episode, but that's okay. Uh, it gives us time to launch directly into reading up on Chapter 3 in yes. time for next week. And uh, in the meantime, you know, we find out in this chapter that uh, Lewis and Flora were both working as uh, IT professionals, some some manner of science, likely some sort of computer science. And uh, if you're looking to get into computer science, you might need a workspace. And fortunately, you don't necessarily need to work out of home. You don't necessarily need to find your own space because there are places you can go where that space can be uh, provided to you. And as it happens, we know of one of them. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Once normal working conditions resume, you're invited to join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Unit B Coworking is located in the historic McKenney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown. For more information, visit unitb.ca. Uh, they do mention when things get kind of back to normal, because, of course, uh, at the time that we're recording this episode, uh, there's a global pandemic underway. <laughs> and everyone is kind of hunkered down at home doing some uh, doing some social distancing in order to try to flatten the curve. That's certainly something we're doing. Yep. Scott's been working from home all week. I'm on mat leave and I have a baby. So leaving the house, it was a problem to begin with. Yeah. So... I'm good at staying home right now. So we know that uh, for a lot of you who are listening, when this episode certainly comes out, uh, you might also be spending a lot of time indoors and trying to find a bit of an escape from uh, what is kind of a scary situation. And uh, if you are spending a little bit of time listening to our little podcast and following along on our book, I mean, great. That's We appreciate you, you sharing some of your time with us and uh, turning to us. To uh, to have that little bit of escape, little and escapes are nice, they, and they make you feel normal for a little while. And it's and it's very important to do. So the fact that you're uh, you're doing it with us, we appreciate. It's certainly one thing we're doing as we continue with the podcast as normal, which is something we're going to continue to do week to week. Yep, as we'll normal still as be possible. Here. We will still be here. So with that said, uh, if you're looking for other podcast suggestions, you can definitely check out all the other podcasts on the Alberta Podcast oh, Network. There's never been a better time to dive into a new podcast. Yeah, if you want to just sample some of them, you can do so on the CKUA app where they are all generously hosted. Yep, or you can go to the Alberta Podcast page yeah. where they're all listed sampler pack style. Yeah, if you like. albertapodcastnetwork.com. Mm -hmm. Really the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, you can also find us elsewhere online if you want to hit us up or follow our episodes as they come out or, or chat about stuff. We are full of social medias lately. 
We have uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. Yeah. Pick your poison. We're at the read-along at pretty much all the above. I think so. Uh, you can send us an email if you like, if you feel like tapping away at your keyboard for a little longer. Yeah, it's uh, the read-along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. Sleepy baby. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. McCarthy. I work at CBC Edmonton. And there's a lot of things that happen in this city any given week. So we thought, how about we boil it down to some of those top stories, the ones that make you think, or the ones that maybe even make you laugh, maybe they make you cringe. So we're putting together a new podcast called The Loop. Check it out weekly through CBC Edmonton. The Loop, you might be wondering, okay, what's this all about? Well, it is literally about keeping you in the loop. More importantly, it's all about going behind the scenes. All sorts of details, I see it every day in the newsroom, don't actually make it into those compact radio and television pieces that you see and that you hear. So we thought we'll take stories like these and we're going to find out more. We're going to talk to the reporters about some of the things like how they even found out about this stuff. We'll talk a little bit about everything, politics, we'll throw some arts in there, community of course. It's about all things Edmonton. Because there's always more to tell. There's always more to the story. I've been in Edmonton for about a year, and I see stories just constantly change. They ebb and flow. I'm learning new things about the city all the time. And maybe you've been here for decades, but there's always new things that we can uncover. So we want to talk about those stories right here on The Loop. Stay in the loop with us, our new weekly CBC Edmonton podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, or more importantly, through your CBC Listen app. I feel like I have something in my tooth. Thank God it's a podcast.